two, no baller. My name is Chris Rawl. It is Friday, July 2nd on today's show, the unpredictability of sports. Before we get there, we will start in the most familiar of places. One reason why gambling should be legal in the state of Utah. Last night was Eastern Conference Finals, Game 5 in the NBA. Bucks, Hawks, Giannis out, Trey Young out. I honed in on under 215 total points early because uh, in my mind I said, this is going to be a slog. Uh, Both of these teams, who knows who's going to score, who knows how they're going to run a coherent offense. This game is going to be played in the mud with the two teams rolling around. 215 points seems like a lot to get to. And indeed, a lot of bettors agree with that because the line ticks down, and by game time, it's at 213, showing that you know the vast majority of money is coming in on the under. People are expecting that same thing. So I'm feeling good about it because the line moved, and then the game starts, and I'm not feeling good about it because there's just points everywhere. You could find them under your couch. You could find them on the TV screen. It didn't matter where. There were points everywhere. Uh, it blows by the total of 215. Never a chance of it going under. Uh, and such is life sometimes. But at least it gives us... A reminder uh, for, A, the theme of today's show, and B, one reason why gambling should be legal in Utah, uh, because absolutely nothing is predictable in life. And now, a word from our presenting sponsor, Traeger Grills. With your and you always Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. The unpredictability of sports. That is where we will start today's conversation. Now, unpredictable is a word that I have had a varied relationship Um It's something that I try to avoid in most aspects of my life. You know, I like a regimen. I like waking up at the same time. I'm one of those people. Uh, The stuff that I can control, I like to try and control uh, and lay down uh, a day that I know I'm going to enjoy and I know what's there within it. Uh, And as I've gotten really into the sport of golf over the last seven or eight years, um, it has taught me to, if not embrace to understand unpredictability in a much different manner than I embrace or understand it in my actual life. Because golf is a sport that has unpredictability threaded throughout it. Uh, It's kind of the essence of the sport. There are very few things about it that are predictable. You hit a putt that's online and it goes to the hole and it either hits an edge and goes in or it hits an edge and go out. Um, the line between those two things is nothing. And as I've gotten better at golf, I've come to lean into that aspect, the unpredictable, unknowable nature of the sport. And rather than being frustrated with a putt that lips out and going, what did I do wrong? How did this happen? I've really come to understand and lean into the idea that a putt that hits a hole is good. You know, If I hit a 10-foot putt and it hits the hole, it's a good putt. There's no difference between it going in or out when it goes in the right center of the hole. Um, And so rather than being frustrated and saying, what do I need to change? How did I just lose a stroke? What is going on here? I go, that's a good putt. I'm putting well. 
I'm hitting a putt on my line. That's all you can ask out of a human being. Go and do it again on the next hole, and that one will fall in. And if that one doesn't, then the next one will. Over and over and over and over. It's that repetitive mindset that you have to find within the game of golf, uh, where there's so much unpredictability that you can trick yourself into thinking that mistakes are being made, when in actuality, you are just playing this kind of devil's dice roll with a game that is not predictable. Uh, You go out and you play in the wind, and you hit a shot exactly how you want. You shape it perfectly, it comes off the club face uh, with the perfect amount of compression, and as that ball is flying through the air, you're thinking, I hit that exactly how I want, it is perfect. And you're trying to discern at the same time how this ball is going to penetrate and move through a 25-mile-an-hour wind, let's say. And a lot of times you hit the shot in your mind that is perfect, and it is far from that, you know? And, then, and you've flown the green, and now you're chipping downwind, and it's impossible to get up and down from. And it's, again, it's that relationship of unpredictability in golf, which the more I've played, the more I've really uh, come to love about the game. It's not fun when it happens to you, but it's fun because of the challenge that it presents. Uh, a continual test on the physical side of hit shots in this wind, hit putts uh, from 20 feet that have a chance of going in. And then the mental side of, all right, there's unpredictability here. It didn't go in my favor. How do I respond to that? Uh, and, and how do I keep doing that kind of stuff? It's the question of golf. How do you respond to unpredictability? Uh, It's what I value and why I like playing the game every single day because there's always stuff that's new and how you challenge yourself with those things, uh, it always presents new opportunity and new challenges. So we'll shift gears into other sports because unpredictability plays an enormous role in all of them. Uh, Ice hockey, a sport that I love, It's the same concept as a putt hitting the edge of a hole and going in or out. A puck hitting a post and going in or out. It's an enormous swing point always of every single game because your average NHL game, it's going to have six goals. And if the puck hits a post and decides to go in, that's enormous. That's one-sixth of the scoring output in an average game. And if it bounces and goes out, that's also enormous because you just got robbed of what could have been a goal. And you watch any hockey game, there's always posts. And people who follow hockey, you just come to accept it. You say, yeah, it's part of the game. It's unpredictable. There's not a lot of difference between a puck that hits a post and goes in or out. It's a fraction of an inch many times. You know, this piece of rubber hits a piece of metal. And which way it bounces, it's going to determine the outcome of a game and the way that we talk about the legacies of players and teams. I, I rewind to all of these avalanche playoff losses over the years, and there's always posts that go into each of these games. The most recent, I think back to Game 5 of the Western Conference semis, Colorado and Vegas, they're tied at 2-2 in the series. They're tied in the third period of Game 5. Miko Rantanen comes in, he rips one off the post, bounces out. Colorado loses in overtime. They lose Game 6 in Vegas. They're going home for the season. There's always just these what-could-have-been moments that boil down to unpredictability. Football, another sport that I love. There's a million things that go into that. Uh, You're playing out in the elements, so that channels a lot of the unpredictable nature of golf. The weather, the wind, all of these things that on any given moment you you can't control. So you just have to control what you can and then go from there. Then there's other stuff, you know. It ties into the the hockey, the post. 
the ball bouncing in or out, golf, the ball hitting the edge of the hole going in or out. <laughs> I think back a few years in the playoffs to Bears-Eagles. One of the most insane endings you'll ever see in a sporting event, the famous double-doink field goal. Cody Parkey for the Bears. He lines up a field goal that will win the game. The Bears are down. He kicks it. The ball's in the air. It's in Chicago. Everybody's on their feet. It drills the side of the post. Now it's bouncing down. Then it hits the crossbar. I'm watching this at home, and I can't tell if it goes in or out because the ball pops up off the crossbar and falls down. And on television, you can't really tell if it falls on the front side of the post or the back side of the post. The difference between in and out, a playoff game being won, the Bears advancing, or the Eagles advancing. Fortunately for the Bears, it bounces onto the front side. Field goal, no good. Game over. Eagles win. An incredible moment, truly, in sports. One that I felt very bad for Bears fans, but is just a fan of football and a fan of the unpredictability of sports and how that can just be such an, an adrenaline rush. I was way into the moment. Basketball has similar stuff and similar moments. We'll talk about doinks. I mean, nothing is going to be more famous than Kawhi Leonard in the 2019, 2019 Eastern Conference semis against Philadelphia. Game seven comes down to that final shot. Kawhi's in the corner, tie game. He shoots it fading out of bounds. It hits off the rim and it's doinking around, doinking around, doinking around. It seems like it bounces on the rim for an eternity. There's no difference between that shot going in and out. There just isn't. Same with all these things. There's no difference between a golf ball hitting the edge and going in or out. No difference between a puck hitting a post. There's no difference between a field goal hitting a post. There's no difference between Kawhi Leonard's shot going in or out as it's bouncing around the rim. Uh, and that day, fate or chance or whatever it is, it's on Kawhi Leonard's side. It's on the Raptors' side. That ball falls in. It gives us one of the most incredible basketball moments I can ever remember where it's half just disbelief at how did a game and an entire series boil down to something like that? Something that picture perfect uh, and unpredictable and just we're all sitting there at home waiting for the ball to either go in or out and it can't make a decision. And so we're there hovering along with it. It makes for incredible theater. It's part of what I love about all these things, whether it's playing golf or watching it or, or all these other sports that now I'm just a consumer. Uh, the unpredictability is a huge draw. It's not fun to go into games or seasons and just go, I know what's going to happen. This team's going to win, uh, whatever. Uh, it's much more interesting and, again, uh, incredible theater when stuff like this can happen. Now, the unfortunate side of unpredictability. We've really seen that come to light uh, this year. It's the side of injuries. I want to read a quote from Bill Barnwell of ESPN uh, that's about football, but we're going to use it to kind of segue into a discussion of stuff that's currently going on. The ultimate examples of how the next man up can make or break an NFL team are two recent Super Bowls. Last season, we saw the Chiefs lose various starting offensive linemen throughout the season. But when Eric Fisher tore his Achilles in the AFC Championship game, the dam broke. Andy Reid and company couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes, who spent most of the day running for his life in a frustrating loss to the Bucks. 
No team may have been able to deal with as many injuries as the Chiefs did up front, but it's clear that the combo of Mike Remmers and Andrew Wiley was not the answer. Go back a few years, though, and you get the opposite example. Carson Wentz's near-MVP campaign carried the Eagles through most of the 2017 regular season and into the top seed in the NFC. But when Wentz tore his ACL, Nick Foles was there to pick up the slack. Foles was a mess in his final two starts of the regular season, but in three playoff games, he threw for 972 yards with six touchdowns. Having a viable option to replace Wentz helped save Philly's season and win the Eagles a Super Bowl. End quote. So it can't be reiterated enough that the tale of a champion always includes injury luck, and it always deals with this ability to weather adversity, and especially weathering adversity when the injuries are on your side. Who is your next man up? We saw in the Super Bowl last year, it was kind of a crazy, unpredictable storm of events where Kansas City's favored. We knew they had injuries on their offensive line. We knew that Tampa's line play on both sides, offensive and defensive, it's the best in football, best combination of lines that the NFL had to offer last year. And even knowing that, it was like, all right, uh, Kansas City, they'll find a way. Andy Reid, the schemer, Patrick Mahomes, the talent, all of these pieces on the outside around him, Kelsey Hill, we thought that that could overcome what Tampa was bringing within the trenches. And the game starts, and it was the exact opposite. Mahomes is running for his life, And it was very apparent early on in that game that Kansas City had no answers for Tampa's line play, even on the other side of the ball where they didn't have injuries. Tampa's offensive line, they controlled that side. And Tampa's defensive line was the story of the game. Those guys were just coming in on every snap and Patrick Mahomes was running backwards almost as soon as the snap happened. Uh, No time, no room. That was the story of the game. Uh, Kansas City, they didn't have the next man up that is required to sometimes weather these injuries. So we go into the NBA playoffs happening in present day. 2021 playoffs, I mean, uh, in a a year that has just been insanity, it's leaned into unpredictability more than any other year. Began as a COVID year, now it's just the year of injuries. Injuries, 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 every which way. Uh, Bummer on a lot of levels. That's what yesterday's show was all about. Um or two days ago, just this continual pileup of injuries with no end in sight and stars going down and no end in sight. And it sucks to watch. On the optimistic side, I'm still going to watch these things. And so I say, okay, you know, it gives us an opportunity to see who is the next man up. When Trey Young and Giannis Antetokounmpo go down, how do their teams fill the void of these players? Um, yeah, I wish I was watching them because they're two incredible talents, but they're not here. So how does Atlanta fill the gaping void left by Trey Young, offensive superstar? How do, how do the Bucks fill the gaping void of Giannis? Uh, all around, just incredible athlete, playmaker, scorer, two-time MVP, you name it. Who is the next man up? Uh, and if it's not an individual, who are the next men up? How do the team that is put together... Uh, Without that person, how do they carry the slack? On a smaller scale, we see that two nights ago with Torrey Craig in game six of Phoenix against the Clippers, who's not a huge name, um, but he played a vital role within that game. He steps in for an injured Cam Johnson, who had been awesome off the bench for Phoenix. 
So Craig is now asked to be the next man up uh, in the rotation in that respect, and he plays 31 minutes, and he is pretty vital within that game. He plays awesome defense against Paul George. He provides all the margin play that Phoenix needs uh, to be able to stay afloat and set the stage for Chris Paul masterpiece game. Um, this stuff, it's always threaded throughout a team's search for a championship. Injury luck and who is the next man up when injuries bite my team. So last night, Game 5, Eastern Conference Finals. 2-2 series. Giannis is out. Trey Young is out. Uh, and, and the Bucks are able to piece together a really efficient performance where they win 123-112. to 112. And one game prior, we'd seen in Game 4... Uh, an, an enormous next man up effort from Atlanta. Trey Young, he's out. He's got the bone bruise. He rolls his ankle on a ref's foot at the end of game three. Atlanta is huge underdogs. I think nine, nine and a half point underdogs, depending where you get him at. Lou Williams steps into the starting lineup. He scores 20 plus points. Uh, he provides uh, 70% of what Trey Young is providing production wise. And then other people have to come and pick up the slack. Who are the next men up? It's Bogdan Bogdanovich. It's Clint Capella. It's John Collins. It's Kevin Herter. All of these people, they play really well within that game in, in the ways that they can perform. And they help carry the load for an offensive superstar that I thought going to the game was completely irreplaceable. That there was no way Atlanta could find a way to approximate what Trey Young brings to the table. And instead, they end up blowing out the Bucks in that game. Uh, they're even up 10 when Giannis goes down with an injury. They're playing well the whole game. So game five is the first full game for the Bucks without Giannis. And they have to tap into a similar source. How do you find uh, a place of calm within this unpredictability? Something that's very big within the world of amateur golf for me and something that the Bucks needed to find going into last night's game. Who is the next man up? Who are the next men up? How do we find a way to do something similar to what Giannis does for our team. Or if we can't do that, how do we do something completely different? How do we lean into the skill sets of the players that we have? So the first person that jumps off the screen last night, is it's not somebody I would have expected. It's Brooke Lopez, a dude who I most know him for being a weird fellow who loves going to Disneyland with his twin brother over and over. That's been the most notable stat of his entire career since he was playing college ball at Stanford. I remember reading this weird ESPN Magazine article with him and his brother where they're both wearing Mickey Mouse ears and talking about how they love Disneyland. And that turns out to be the most notable player in last night's game. He puts up 33 points, 7 rebounds, 4 blocks, 2 steals. He's 14 for 18 from the field. If you just saw that stat line, you would go, oh, Giannis played, and he did what Giannis always does. He provided you with a lot of stats at incredible efficiency from the field. Uh, it was Brooke Lopez. He spearheaded the charge that was the story of the game, interior domination from Milwaukee. Atlanta had no answers for this continual assault on the paint. That's how Milwaukee chose to go about, uh, there's no Giannis. How are we going to attack this team and play without him? The decision they made was, we are going to relentlessly get the ball into the paint. And Atlanta's not going to be able to stop us. That's how the game played out. I want to read a quote from Tim Bontemps of ESPN about that very fact. In game four, Atlanta played its best defensive game of the series. 
holding the Bucks to 44 points in the paint after allowing an average of more than 60 in each of the first three games of the series. In Game 5, however, things immediately reverted back to the way they'd been earlier in the series. Even with Antetokounmpo sitting out with a hyperextended left knee, the Bucks exploded for 28 points in the paint in the first quarter and 44 at the half, equaling their total in all of Game 4. End quote. So there are other people that factor into this offensive assault. The next man up, literally, is Bobby Portis, who fills Giannis's role in the starting lineup. Bobby Portis, just nobody would ever know who this guy is that is a casual NBA observer. And even people who followed the NBA closely go, isn't that the guy who was on Chicago and just kind of has had a forgettable career for the most part? And now maybe he's on Milwaukee and he's the first or second or third or fourth person off the bench, depending upon the night and the matchup. Isn't that the Bobby Portis? Yes, that's the one. He steps in. Uh, he plays 36 minutes in Giannis's stead. And he he balls out in uh, in the context of what Bobby Portis is going to do. He has 22 points. He has eight rebounds. He has three assists. He has three steals. Um, really high-level stuff from a player that you're not necessarily expecting to get that from. But it goes back into the theme of these playoffs, the theme of sports in general. Unpredictability and who is the next man up when injury bites your team. Uh, within these scenarios, these next man up scenarios, you always have to look to your next best players. When a star goes down, the very first people that you will look at is, who is my next best player? Who is my third best player? Okay, there's an onus on you guys. You're going to have to do more than you are normally doing and maybe more than you're comfortable doing, but we have to have that. So for the Bucks, it's two people. It's Chris Middleton and it's Drew Holiday. Two people who are always talked about as, are they good enough to win a championship? Can you really, really, truly win a championship with this as your second best player? Uh, I know they're good, but are they that good? Last night, they were that. Chris Middleton, I mean, he puts up a stat line. 26 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. 50% from the field on 20 field goals. Uh, and he does a lot of the things that Chris Middleton does. It's more nuanced. It doesn't necessarily jump off the screen because he's not this uber athlete. Uh, and he's not dunking on people and hitting Steph Curry like threes from 35 feet. But Chris Middleton can get his. And there's a lot of games that you'll get to the end and they'll have a stat line similar to this and you'll go, oh yeah. Chris Middleton, he played pretty good, but I don't remember one highlight. I just remember a lot of efficient stuff. I remember him getting to the elbow and hitting his jumpers. I remember him hitting his threes when he was open. All that kind of stuff. That's what he was doing last night. Drew Holiday, same thing. 25 points, 13 assists, 6 rebounds. You know, you take all these four players into account. They're all scoring over 20 points. And that's an enormous boost for a team that needs it without Giannis. Who is the next man up? Well, in this case, it's four people. You know, it's Drew Holiday. It's Chris Middleton. It's Bobby Portis. It's Brooke Lopez. On the other side, Atlanta looks shell-shocked for the majority of the game as they're trying to deal with the unpredictability on their side of not playing with Trey Young again and then trying to find defensive answers against this mismatch Milwaukee assault on the paint that they brought in that game. Um, that was the story. The unpredictability of sports. 
you rewind even a month ago, but the start of this year, and you told me, hey, Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, they're going to be the swing guys. Enormous vital roles in an Eastern Conference Finals Game 5 of a 2-2 series. I would have freaked out. I would have said, what the hell happened? You know, Did all the teams just go away and Milwaukee's playing in an empty gym by itself and that's why these guys are doing stuff? Uh, and instead... Uh, it's given us, you know, it's not the ideal scenario when a star goes down. That's never the case. But if you're trying to find silver lining, you go, when unpredictability strikes uh, as a fan, how do you deal with that uh, as a viewer? You know, when it's your team, it's really tough to swallow. It's not fun, not enjoyable. Uh, when it's not, as is the case for me with Atlanta and Milwaukee, it's a lot easier to look at that silver lining and go, oh, this next man up story. I mean, this is pretty cool. Yeah, game four and game five, they were both blowouts. But it was cool watching Atlanta gel in a way I didn't think was possible in game four with Trey Young out on the offensive side of the ball. And it was cool in game five watching Brooke Lopez just thunder dunk on everybody and Bobby Portis hit jumpers in a way that I didn't necessarily think those guys could do uh, without Giannis pulling defenders away from them. I still look back at the run that Nick Foles and the Eagles put together and marvel at that. One of the all-time most unpredictable things you will ever see in any sport. Carson Wentz goes down. Nick Foles just, he barfs on himself for the last two regular season games that year. I still remember it vividly. I was talking with my friend about one of his games and I'm like, I don't think I've ever watched a quarterback play worse. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen. They play Atlanta in round one that year. They get a bye, they play Atlanta at home, and I'm like, how are they even going to win this game? Nick Foles is, and he hacks out a game. He played reasonably, not ideal, but enough to win. They're hosting the Vikings at home in the NFC title game as three-point dogs, and Minnesota that year had just, they caught lightning in a bottle with Case Keenum. They seemed, in my mind, like uh, just an awesome team. Uh, And I remember thinking, I don't know how Philly wins this game. And Nick Foles morphs into Aaron Rodgers unexpectedly in that game. He's bombing them out, just throwing every pass on a dime, 40 yards downfield. They run Minnesota off the field. And as it was happening, it it turned into a blowout. But again, the silver lining side of me was going, this is kind of cool because I would never have thought in a million years this was possible from this quarterback because I watched him not three weeks ago just take a dump in his own pants on the field. And now he's throwing for 300 yards against one of the best defenses in football. And he takes that into the Super Bowl against New England, a team that everybody loves to hate, myself included. And I go, this can't continue, but indeed it did. It's the wild, wild west shootout, him and Tom Brady throwing for 10 trillion yards and touchdowns, the Philly special, all the stuff that goes into that game. And the Eagles are winning the Super Bowl. Nick Foles is hosting up the trophy. I mean, just an incredible run that you could never predict. You can think this year in the NBA, you know, I've talked about Reggie Jackson on this show over and over because one of the marvels of this year's playoffs for me was watching Reggie Jackson first with Kawhi in the lineup for the Clippers score 20 points every game. And then without Kawhi, ratchet it up a notch and score 25 points a game and be this crunch time assassin and isolation killer uh, and just this unstoppable offensive force 
Who could ever predict something like that? Again, it's a silver lining of all this stuff. Um, injuries to stars, never ideal. You never want to see Carson Wentz go down. It, you never want to see Kawhi Leonard go down. Uh, but there's always additional aspects to a story like this. Sometimes it's less scintillating. Sometimes it's just it's a full-on bummer. And other times it gives a story like that. Uh, it's a Nick Foles Super Bowl run that it's more memorable than anything that could have come out of a season. So we circle back to last night's game. We circle back to game six of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA. Um, in game five, Milwaukee gets the better of Atlanta in this ongoing war of attrition, uh, this ongoing battle against unpredictability. Um, how game six will play out, we're going to see uh, tomorrow. And we'll get an answer to the most unpredictable question of all. Will Trey Young play? And if so, in what capacity? Thank you for listening to No Baller. This podcast can be found on any platform of your choosing. If you could rate and review and help spread the word, it would help me immensely. If you have additional feedback or thoughts that you want incorporated into the show, please email me at chris at thebeehive.com. Last but not least, if you would prefer to listen to this as a video, go to thebeehive.com and find No Baller.